You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It's a new year, and I think there's really something special about a sense of uh, a fresh start and new possibilities and this idea of maybe making some changes that can bring improvement into our lives. Uh, Speaking of improvements, how many of you know that we're living in what I would call an upgrade culture? Like our culture loves to upgrade things. And I think a lot of this started with Apple, you know, when they got us all addicted to our iPhones and upgrading to a new phone, you know, like every couple years. Like, you no sooner get a new iPhone and then the the next one's coming out with all the features that you really want. Anybody know what I'm talking about? you got to upgrade continuously. I upgraded my phone this past summer. I was at the Verizon store and I actually had my phone for a few years and it was really slowing down. And there was these two older ladies in the store and they were arguing with the manager because one of them had, had bought a new phone and didn't realize the new iPhone was coming out like the next month. And I'm telling you, you'd have thought somebody did her like a great un- injustice, like somebody kicked her puppy or something. I mean, there was about to be a physical altercation in the Verizon store over upgrading their new iPhone. Or you book a flight, right? You book a flight and what happens? You get options to upgrade, to upgrade. Now, pay attention. You need to read the fine print these days. Uh, This past fall, uh, we bought our tickets to fly home to visit my family for Thanksgiving. And I used some points, so I didn't really pay too much attention to the fine print. And what I found out when we got to the airport is our tickets didn't even include our carry-on bags. It was like, you can get on the plane with your clothes, like your shoes, and like, that's it. We're going to charge you for anything else you want to bring on the plane. So I had to pay for all of our carry-on baggage, because if you wanted to bring your carry-on baggage on, you had to upgrade your ticket. That's how it is these days. Or you book a hotel room, you go on a vacation, you book a hotel room, and you no sooner pick out the room you want, and what do you get? A notification for some more money, right? You squeeze some more money out of you, you can upgrade your hotel room. And I'm thinking, no, thank you. I don't need a room with a full gourmet kitchen. I'm not cooking a five-course meal. I'm just sleeping here for like one or two nights. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Living in an upgrade culture. How many of you upgraded something over the holidays, maybe as a Christmas present? Anybody, you upgraded your iPhone, upgraded to a new Apple Watch, upgraded your wardrobe. Oh, we see you walking in here looking good, wearing your clothes that you got for Christmas. Well, what if we could upgrade our decisions in this new year, in 2024? You know, it's been said, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. The quality of your decisions uh, determines the quality of your life. In fact, I did a whole series on this um, last year at this time called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And I would encourage you to go back on YouTube and watch that. But what if we could, we could just make uh, a better decision, some better decisions in a few areas of, of our lives that as a result would cause us to upgrade our lives and to live with more of what God is wanting to give us more of the gifts, the peace, and the goodness that God is wanting to bring into our lives. If that sounds good, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to share something with you that I really think the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. I had this sense this week, like the Lord was saying, teach them something I'm teaching you. Like some of the things that God shares with me, they're they're just for me. Uh, But there are some things that God shares with me that I believe I'm supposed to bring to you today. So I want to simply uh, talk to you today about a few choices we can make that would upgrade our lives, that would change the way we experience 2024. A few things that God has been teaching me, reminding me. And so four choices that we can make to upgrade our lives. 
Because I believe God has some good things for us in 2024. And I hope that at least one of these four choices resonates with you. Some of you, all four choices are going to resonate with you. But I really believe this is a word for everybody in this room today. One of these choices can really impact the way you experience 2024 and cause you to live with more of what God has for you. So if that sounds good, would somebody just say, I'm ready. Come on, Pastor, I'm ready. All right, here we go. First choice we can make, we can choose rhythms over resolutions. I want to encourage you to choose rhythms over resolutions. How many of you, uh, you make some kind of resolution or you set some kind of goal every year? Anybody? You set some kind of goal. I, I think that's actually a good thing. I, I do that. I think there's something about a new year and a sense of a fresh start. We, we know we can change any point in time during the year if we really want to change. But I do think there is something motivational, inspirational about coming into a new year with kind of a fresh start, setting, setting some goals and making some change. But unfortunately, we know that research shows us that anywhere between 81 to 92% of resolutions fail. And I didn't have to tell you that because you know this from your own experience with how you did with your resolutions last year. You're like, Pastor, I did my own research. I know, I failed. <laughs> Psychologists and behavioral experts actually tell us that part of the reason we fail at resolutions is that we try to make these really big, inspiring goals to motivate ourselves. You know, I'm going to save $10,000 this year. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Whatever a big, inspiring goal is for you. And, and behavioral experts tell us that we focus so much on the outcomes that we fail to focus on the behaviors and patterns that will get us there. In fact, James Clear, author of the best-selling book, Atomic Habits, he said this. He said, new goals don't deliver new results. New lifestyles do. And a lifestyle is not an outcome. It's a process. For this reason, all of your energy should go into building better rituals, not chasing better results. Oh, isn't that good? If you really want to change, it's not about setting these really big, audacious goals. It's about embracing new rituals, new rhythms. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you in 2024, you want to get closer to God and you want to grow spiritually? Let me try that again. How many of you in this new year, you want to get closer to God and you want to grow spiritually? Okay, hopefully that is all of our goal. That's the reason you're here today on a snowy Sunday in January. Well, guess what? If that is your goal, the same wisdom applies. If you're going to grow spiritually, you, you need to. You have to embrace and build new spiritual rhythms, new spiritual rhythms and patterns that will help you grow. In fact, that's what we see in the life of Jesus. Let me show you one example. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Notice that Jesus had an intentional rhythm to his prayer life. He had a time. He had a place. He got up early in the morning while it was still dark. He had a place that he went to to pray. We know from other scriptures that Jesus often went to the mountaintop to pray. We know that Jesus even had a pattern of prayer. His disciples said, teach us to pray. And he prayed the Lord's Prayer. He taught them to pray the Lord's Prayer, a pattern of, of prayer. Now, this was all part of the rhythm of Jesus' day. Because Jesus knew that after he prayed, there was a busy day ahead of him filled with ministering to people, preaching and healing and touching people. In fact, his disciples come looking for him. In the verse right after the one we just read, 
the disciples come looking for him. They said, Jesus, where have you been? Like we got a full day ahead of us. The schedule is full. There are a lot of people. The crowds are already piling up waiting for you. Jesus had an intentional rhythm to his prayer life, to his life with God. So when it comes to your spiritual growth this year, choose rhythms over resolutions. And I think the beginning of the new year is a great time to get back into the rhythm of prayer. To get back into the habit of daily prayer. Because I believe nothing will help you grow spiritually like developing a habit of daily prayer. So we're kicking off 21 Days of Prayer. Kicks off tomorrow. I want to invite every one of you to be a part of it. Uh, we got some resources. We're going to put them on the screen again. You can go to our website. You can go to our app. We have all kind of resources there. We have some prayer guides for you that will help give you some fresh language for your prayers. We have family resources for those of you with children. Some things that you can do to even pray with your kids. I love this idea of the, the text campaign. You can text the word 21 days to the number on the screen to get daily prayer prompts. We'll send you some inspiration. We're going to send you some scriptures, different topics. Uh, come on, how many of you know we all need some motivation every now and then to pray? We're going to give you some things to help you, okay? We're going to be doing prayer nights the next three Wednesday nights, the 10th, the 17th, the 24th, 7 o'clock here at our building. And we're just going to go after God together. We're going to stir up a spiritual hunger. We did this last year. We had an amazing time. We just took an hour, had a little bit of worship. On the 17th, we're going to do kind of an extended worship set. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to have different people leading prayer. We're going to believe for breakthrough in your life. We're going to believe for God to move in your life. We're going to stir up a, a hunger for more of God in our lives, and we're going to grow spiritually. So I believe this is a great way to kind of kick off the new year. So how many of you would say, Pastor, I'm in. I just think there's something powerful about knowing that we're in this together. I want to encourage you to get into the habit of daily prayer. And I'm going to tell you something, talking about rhythms, better to get into the habit of praying five to ten minutes a day than to setting some really audacious spiritual growth goal that you never hit. It's, it's much better to get into this rhythm of praying just a few minutes a day than trying to go after some goal that you're never going to achieve. And so let me ask you this question. What are the rhythms that you need to embrace to become the person that God is calling you to be in this new year ahead? And a little sneak, sneak peek of the next series we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a series all about that. This new series we're kicking off next Sunday, Eliminating Hurry. It's really about some ancient practices and rhythms that we can embrace to enter into the life that Jesus is calling us to. So we can experience the goodness of God. So choose rhythms over resolutions. Here's the second thing. We want to talk about upgrading our lives in this new year. Number two, I want to encourage you to choose faith over fear. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them, choose faith over fear. See, every one of us is either facing some kind of fear right now, or we're going to face some kind of fear in the new year ahead. It's just part of the human experience. We're going to face some kind of fear, fear about our finances, fear about our, our career path, fear about a relationship or a sick loved one, or fear of the unknown. We really can't control the fact that as human beings, we are going to experience fear. But here's what we can control, how we respond to it. And we can choose faith over fear. Let me show you an example from Psalm chapter 56. This is a Psalm of David. Let me just read the subtitle to you before we read these, these few verses here. Here's the subtitle of the Psalm. It says, a Psalm of David when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. Now, we don't know a whole lot of details about this episode, but how many of you know that doesn't sound very good? <laughs> like, David was surrounded by his enemies. This was a life-threatening situation. Talk about a fear-inducing situation. So let's look at this. Psalm 56, 
verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. It says, oh God, here's what King David prayed. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. Can anybody identify with that? My foes attack me all day long. I am strongly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. Now look at verse 3. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Oh, I love that. David is facing some real adversity. I mean, this is a life-threatening situation. People are trying to, to kill him. He had good reason to be afraid. And I don't know about you, but I'm really encouraged by the fact that David was a real human being like you and me, and he experienced fear. I'm so thankful that David didn't write the psalm this way. He didn't say, oh, God, because I'm David, because I'm the anointed one, because I'm the greatest king in the history of Israel, because I'm a great warrior, and I even slayed the giant Goliath, I ain't afraid of anything like all these people who are reading this psalm right now. I'm so thankful he didn't write it that way because then we couldn't relate to him. I'm thankful that David, like you and me, was a real human being who experienced fear. He experienced fear. How many of you know you can experience fear and faith at the same time? Did you know that you can experience fear and faith at the same time? And I think this is so powerful because I think many of you tend to think, if I just had more faith, I would never experience fear at all. You know, if I could just be like those great heroes of the faith, those people in the Bible, if I had more faith, then I wouldn't experience fear. No, what we see in the life of David, one of the greatest men of God in all of Scripture, is that we can actually experience fear and faith at the same time. David just knew what to do in that situation. He understood that he could lean into his faith and he could trust his good God. Look at this. Let me just give you this idea. Faith isn't the absence of fear. It's trusting in the goodness of God despite it. That's what David does. David is experiencing fear. He just decides to trust in the goodness of God despite it. Verse 3 again. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. That's when I need to put my trust in you. And let me just share something with you that's really had an impact on my life. It's something so, so simple. It's a question that I've learned to ask that helps me choose faith over fear. How many of you, like me, your mind can begin to, to, to chew on this question, what could go wrong? Anybody ever feel like, well, you got a big decision to make? You know, something you, you got to step out in faith or you, you, you get some news that makes you feel a little bit fearful and you begin to run the scenario of what could go wrong. Anybody else, you're, you're like me. I know you guys are more spiritual than me. But every now and then, I, I, can, I can easily go there and begin to ask myself, what can, go, what can go wrong? I think that's part of just being a human being. It's our natural tendency. But here's what I've learned after years of walking with God trusting God, trusting him for my family, trusting him for my kids, trusting him for my life and my ministry and, 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 our, and our church. What, what, what I've learned is this, that we tend to worry about unintended consequences. We tend to be facing a big decision and what's going to happen if I, I interview for that new job? What's going to happen if you know, I make that investment or I start a business or I, or I get into a relationship or whatever. What's going to happen if we worry about unintended consequences? But here's what I've learned. He's not the God of unintended consequences. He's the God of unexpected benefits. Come on, he's the God who brings benefits into our life that we didn't even see coming. And so here's what I've learned to, here's what I've learned to pray when I'm feel, feeling fearful. I've learned to, to not ask what could go wrong. I've learned to ask what could go right. 
Come on, what could go right if God is really working in my life? If God is with me, if God is ordering my steps, if he's the God who's working all things together for my good, if he's the God who is, who is working behind the scenes of my life and I'm seeking to honor him, I'm going to quit worrying about what could go wrong. What could go right if my God is with me? Let me tell you, somebody needs to write that question down. You came to church today for that one question alone. You need to put it in your phone. What could go right? When you think back about last year, I'm sure it's easy to think about some of the things that went wrong. But what you got to do is flip the script. Let me ask you this question. What things went right in your life last year? You had some unexpected blessings. How many of you had some unexpected blessings that came into your life that you weren't even counting on? You weren't planning on? They were unexpected benefits, good things that came into your life. I don't even have time to tell you. I had so many in my life. I wasn't worried about them. I wasn't thinking about them. And God brought some good things into my life. What could go right? Let's choose faith over fear. Come on, we're talking about upgrading our lives. This next year in 2024, I believe if you can get a hold of at least one of these choices, it would impact the way you would experience this next year ahead. Number three, we can choose worship over worry. We can choose worship over worry. This really goes hand in hand with what we just talked about with fear. You know, I was thinking about worry because we could do a whole series on this alone, you know, because we face this so, so much. And I was trying to think about what is the essence of worry? Like what is it that causes us to worry so much? And I really think it's this. Worry stems from our desire to want to be in control. Come on, think about it. By nature, we are control freaks. Kind of control freaks in the house, you would admit. I'm okay. <laughs> some of y'all, some of the person nudging you next to you, like, yeah, they're a control freak. Like, we, by, as human beings, we are by nature control freaks. We want to be in control of everything. We want to be in control of our time, our money, our future, our freedom, right? Like, we want to be in control. And we live in a, a modern day world where this is being marketed to us all the time. Just buy this app, just subscribe to this product. You can be in control of your security, your peace of mind, your safety, your comfort, and you can run it all right here from the comfort of your smartphone. That is the world we are living in. But how many of you have lived enough life experience to know that control is an illusion? The idea that you can be fully in control of everything in your life is an illusion. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it only takes one sickness or one car accident to remind you that you are not fully in control of every area of your life. Control is it's an illusion. We really can't be in control of everything. And so Jesus teaches us that the antidote to, to worry is to do something counterintuitive, something countercultural. It's to give up control. Our culture sells us and markets to us this message that you can be in control of every area of your life with enough technology, with enough money, with enough this or that. You can be in control of your life com completely. And we've been buying this idea for a long time, but how many have noticed that we haven't stopped worrying at all? How many have noticed that if anything, our culture has less peace than it probably had 10 years ago? with all the technology that we have. And so Jesus comes along and he gives us an idea that's really, really counterintuitive. And he says, the reason you're warring is you want to be in control. And the secret to living with peace is to give up control and to trust the one who actually is in control, the one who has the whole world in his hands. And when you release this need to be in control of everything, then the peace of God comes into your life. When you trust the fact that we have a good, loving, heavenly Father, that's how you experience true peace. Here's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. He said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, which you will eat or drink, or about your body, which you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable as a child of God than the birds of the air? Look at this verse 27. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus says the secret to living a worry-free life is to trust that you actually have a God who is a loving Heavenly Father who knows how to provide for your needs. And when you give up control and you trust Him, you find peace. If God knows how to take care of the birds, you know, He knows how to take care of, of His children. And then he, Jesus asks a really powerful question. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And we know the answer is no, we can't. One of my pastor friends, he said, worry is the great subtractor. Worry is the great subtractor. Worry subtracts. It doesn't add. Worry doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. That's what worry does. Peace is the product of prayer and gratitude. What did the apostle Paul teach us to do? In everything, right? Prayer, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So we know that peace comes when we pray and we practice gratitude. Let's put it this way. Prayer adds Gratitude multiplies, worry subtracts. There's an equation for you. Prayer adds to your life. Gratitude comes along and multiplies the peace of God. Worry subtracts in your life. Jesus goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, I love the wisdom of Jesus. Jesus doesn't, you know, sell us on some idea that's really not practical. He doesn't say, oh, just trust in God and you're not going to have any problems ever again. Anybody walk with the Lord long enough to discover that just because you became a Christian, your problems didn't all go away? Sometimes you got new problems because you became a Christian, right? Jesus says, each day has enough problems of its own. Trust in your loving Heavenly Father for today's grace. Give me this day my Daily bread, right? His mercies are made new every morning. There's this sense of we have to live with daily dependence because worry is bringing tomorrow's problems into today. That's what Jesus is saying. In fact, Corey Ten Boom, great woman of faith who actually helped hide Jews in uh, the Netherlands during the Nazi occupation of, of the Netherlands. She said this, worry is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. It's carrying two days at once. That's what worry does. We worry so much about the future. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about what's going to happen six months from now. We worry about things because our future feels uncertain to us at times. And Jesus would say, each day has enough worry of its own. Why don't you trust your heavenly father for today? Believe for today's grace to get through the day with peace and trust him with with tomorrow. Aren't you thankful he's the God who goes before you? He's the God of the future. He's the God of tomorrow. He already knows what's going to happen tomorrow even when you don't. So you can just rest in him. And be at peace. And I think many of the things that we worry about never come to pass. Isn't that so true? Our minds begin to worry about things. We begin to imagine all kinds of scenarios. How many of you have discovered that many of the things that you have worried about didn't even happen? And you were worried about it. And guess what? The opposite is also true. Often, many of the worst things that we've experienced happened and we didn't see them coming. They came unexpectedly. We didn't have time to worry about it. We just had to get through it. We had to trust God and we just got through it. Let me give you an example, okay? 
How many of you on January 1 of 2020 were worried about a global pandemic? Anybody? Remember back in 2020? You weren't worried about a pandemic. I saw your Instagram post going back to January 2020. This is the year of blessing. This is the year of 2020 vision. I'm going into this new year. This is going to be the, the year of new experiences, a new decade, new horizons. This is going to be the year that I go on that vacation I've been wanting to go on. I'm going to do all of these new things. Come on. I, that was the kind of stuff we were posting about. None of y'all were saying, what happens if we have a global pandemic that causes us all to be in lockdown, to be in Zoom meetings so much that our necks hurt, that we end up homeschooling our kids? And many of you discovered you don't even like your kids to spend that much time with you. You didn't see it coming. I had pastor friends who had a 2020 vision, you know. This is the year we're going to have 2020 vision for our church. I'm so thankful I didn't have a 2020 vision. <laughs> Great man of faith that your pastor is. I was so thankful I didn't put out a 2020 vision <laughs> when COVID hit. You weren't worrying about what was going to happen. Guess what? It just came and you survived and you made it and you're here to live and tell about it. Give yourself a hand. You survived. You made it. <laughs> Some of the worst things that happened in your life. We live through a global, something that's gonna, a global pandemic, something that's going to go down in the history books. You live through it and you weren't even worried about it. We worry about things that don't happen and the worst things that come into our lives, we, we often just get through it even if we didn't see it coming. So let me ask you this. Think about this. How many of you would say worrying made things better in your life last year? Anybody, you would testify in 2023, when I worried, things got better. My life got better. My finances, you know, my relationships, my health. No, no, it did not get better. And I know that, you know, so often when our minds get into worrying mode, it's hard to turn it off, right? It's part of a physiological response that we have to pressure. I wish I could just tell you, you know, don't worry. And that's it. I understand that our minds kind of get there at times and we start worrying. But here's what we can do. We can choose what we focus on. We can choose worship over worry. And let me tell you something. When we choose worship, our God gets bigger and our problems get smaller. That's what happens. We, can, we can't choose even when worry comes into our life, but we can choose what we focus on. So I have a friend, Pastor Greg Surratt. Um, he sends out a worry-free Wednesday text every week. And I get his text. And he sent out a challenge last week that I thought would really bless you guys, something really practical to help you put this whole worship over worry thing into practice. So we're going to have this on the screen. But he challenged us that every time you're tempted to worry, do four things. I'm going to step out the way so you guys can take a picture of this. Every time you're tempted to worry, do four quick things. Write it down, pray it up, thank it out, breathe it in. We're going to talk about what those mean. Take a picture of that. And I want to encourage you to put this into practice this week whenever you face worry. Let's go through those things. Every time you experience worry, here's my encouragement. This week, tomorrow, we're probably going to, somebody's going to probably experience some kind of worry. Do four quick things. Write it down. First of all, there's power in naming the thing that's causing you to worry. How many of you know that sometimes we're worried about something and our minds are kind of running and we're not even fully aware of what it is that we're actually worried about? Like it's manifesting itself in the way we're treating people and we're kind of on edge and sometimes we think it's about something, but if we stop and really reflect on it, we're worried about something a few layers down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So there's power in naming the thing that's causing you to worry. That's why Pastor Greg says, number one, write it down. Number two, pray it up. In other words, Tell God. Do what Jesus said. Trust him for that day. Each day has enough worry of its own. Take it to God. Pray it up. Say a prayer about it. God, I'm worrying and name it. God, I'm worried about my finances this year. 
I'm worried about it. Call it what it is. God, I'm worried about this medical diagnosis. God, I'm worried about this relationship. God, I'm worried about my future. That is uncertain. If you're a journaler, write it down. Call it what it is and pray it up to God. Number three, thank it out. Thank it out. This is the secret sauce again. Gratitude, it's so powerful, right? What did Paul teach us? Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything in the midst of it with thanksgiving. So in the midst of naming your problem, add gratitude. God, I'm, I'm worried about my, my finances in this next year, but God, I'm thankful that you are my provider and you've always provided for me. If you did it in the past, you're going to do it for me now. Just begin to be thankful in the midst of it. And then number four is breathe it in. What does that mean? Well, there's a simple prayer that Pastor Greg teaches, and we're going to practice it today. We're going to breathe it in. So on the inhale, you're going to repeat, I receive. And then on the exhale, you're going to say, God's peace. You got it? On the inhale, I receive. On the exhale, God's peace. Let's do it together. We're going to have a group therapy session together. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. I receive God's peace. Come on. Again. I receive God's peace. Oh, one more time. I receive God's peace. How many of you feel better already? <laughs> so here's my encouragement to you. Let's make this practical. This week, maybe even tomorrow, when you're tempted to worry, let's put these four things into practice. Write it down. Call it what it is. Pray it up. Give thanks in the midst of it. And let's pray this really simple, powerful prayer. Put that in your notes. I receive God's peace. So practical, isn't it? Here's the fourth thing. Come on, we want to upgrade our lives in this next year. We don't want to just upgrade to a new iPhone. We want to upgrade to the abundant life that Jesus has for us. Number four, we can choose presence over perfection. We can choose the presence of God over perfection. Do we have any perfectionists in the room? My hand is up. How many of you would join me in admitting that you can be a perfectionist? I am a recovering perfectionist. I've really been thinking about this a lot the past few months um, of how much I'm wired to be a perfectionist. And yeah, there's the upside to it. It's produced a lot of excellence and good things in my life, but there's the downside to it. There's a lot of frustration and complaining and not being patient with people and a lot of things in my life that stem from perfectionism that I've been asking God to help me with. We really can't change who we are, but we can invite the Holy Spirit to help us and to redeem our personalities. And so if you strive for perfection in any area of your life, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I didn't say excellence, but perfection. If you strive for perfection in any area of your life, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because we all know we're not going to be perfect. Okay, can we just have some fun for a moment? Where are all the parents in the room? How many of you parents, how many of you ever had a friend who before they had kids, they were giving you advice about raising kids? You ever know anybody like that, kind of a know-it-all, you know? And they were going to be the perfect parent because they were reading books about parenting and they, were, you know, they would share advice that they read with you every now and then. They were going to be the perfect parent and have the perfect kids and then they had children and they got humbled really quick. Anybody ever experienced that? And it blessed you. You were so happy to see it. I can think of somebody right now. I'm not going to say it because this is going to be on YouTube. I can think of somebody who reads a lot, who knows a lot, used to tell us stuff about raising our kids, and then they had children, and they became really humble. I mean, they walk around like this all the time now because they're nothing will humble you like children. I'm just telling you, if you don't have kids yet, you don't have to pray for humility. Oh, it blessed me when that happened. <laughs> it was wonderful. It's wonderful. But here's the truth. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. If we strive for perfection, you're, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? 
we strive for perfection. See, here, here's, here's what I think. The enemy loves to, to condemn us when we sin. How many of you know that's true? The enemy will come along when you sin. He'll condemn you. He'll tell you you're a failure. He'll tell you you're a sinner. He'll tell you you're never going to be the child of God. You want to be, if you're hearing the voice of condemnation, that is not the voice of God. The Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit convicts us into righteousness. That means the Holy Spirit reminds you that you are a child of God. He reminds you that you are made righteous by the Son of God. And so live into that and be the child of God he's calling you to be. The enemy, he loves when you strive for perfection. Here's why. Because when you strive for perfection, you have a huge target on your back. Because the enemy knows that when you fail, because we're all going to come short of perfection, he can just heap guilt and condemnation on you. And so how many of you have ever had this sense, like you ever just felt like giving up spiritually because you kept messing up? Anybody? Am I the only one? Like you ever felt like I gave into that temptation again? You know, I lost my temper again. I'm struggling to forgive people again. I ought to just throw in the towel and quit. And the enemy comes along and says, yes, you ought to quit because you're never going to get this, this Christian thing, this walking with God thing down perfectly. But what if we set a new goal? Instead of striving for perfection, what if we could just learn to live with an awareness of God's presence in our lives? What if we chose presence over Perfection, not, not perfection, but just to live with, with God's presence. The psalmist said this, Psalm 145, verse 18. He said, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Think about that. Here's what the psalmist is saying. God is actually near to you. He's actually there if you would just call out to him. Like the God of all creation wants to be near and present in your life. But our problem is we're so often preoccupied. We're so busy. We're so enthralled with the idea that we can be in control of every area of our lives that we don't even think to call out on him so often. And someone says, God, God is near. He wants to be near to you. If you could just live with that awareness. And so what if we could just cultivate the sense of God's awareness, God's presence, an awareness of God's presence in, in our daily lives as we commute to work, to school, as we do our work, as we relate to people, just bring a sense and awareness that God is present with us every day. So I've been rereading this book, and I mentioned this in our Christmas at Home message last week. I've been rereading this book that I read years ago called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's by a guy named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a French monk, he lived in a monastery, and he developed this amazing awareness of the presence of God. Here's what's so encouraging to me. He didn't develop this great spiritual depth because he prayed for 12 hours a day in his chamber. Like none of us could relate to that. No, he was actually the cook in the monastery. And here's what he learned to do. He learned to spend the whole day with God as he was cooking, as he was cleaning, as he was doing the dishes, as he was mopping and sweeping. He learned to cultivate just an awareness that God was present all throughout his day. Now you might say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not a cook in a monastery. You know, I got a, my work is different. I have a lot of meetings. I have a lot of, you know, things that are people intense. I have to, you know, use a lot of my brain. I can't just pray all day long. I, I, I get it. But what if we could just find a way to, uh, to, to apply this to our lives and, and to bring this into our life? Like in, before you go into that meeting, God, I'm aware that you're with me in this meeting. God, before I get on this conference call, I'm mindful that you're with me in this conference call. God, as I put my hands to do my work, I'm mindful that you're with me. You're with me in this conversation. You're with me in this deal. You're with me in this situation. You're with me in this car as I'm driving. You're with me on the train to Grand Central this morning. You're with me. It would change your life. It would change your life. How could it change your life if you went through one full day just living with an awareness that God's presence was with you? How would that change your conversations? How would that change the way you treat people? 
You know, I started trying to put this into practice over the holidays. Holy Spirit's been speaking this to me. And so I had a few days where I kind of tried it out. Like, God, I'm just going to live with an awareness that you're with me all throughout my day. And let me tell you, on the days when I remembered that God was with me, I was a lot more gentler and kind to my wife because that's something I've been praying about. I had a lot more patience for my kids. I complained a lot less. You know, I ended up giving a few extra generous tips to a few waitresses as I was hanging out with friends and family throughout the holidays. Why? Because I was just mindful that God was with me. I felt the joy of the Lord. I felt the goodness of the Lord. And it changed the way I experienced my day. And guess what? I had a few days where I forgot to practice the presence and it didn't go so well. I got the opposite results. In fact, I had one day this week where I even crashed and burned. You can pray for your pastor. I'm a human being just like you. I know you think I walk on air, but I need the grace of God every day just like you. The difference between me and you is I can admit it. <laughs> I'm smoking what I'm selling up here. Let me tell you something. It'll change your day to go throughout the day and just be aware that God is with you. God is with you. Let me just give you one other thought before we close and pray. Think back to the very beginning of the Bible, the story in Genesis. The scripture tells us that Adam, he walked with God. Adam and Eve, they had that kind of close relationship with God that they literally, they walk with God. Can you imagine what must that have been like? I can't even get my head around that to think that Adam walked with God. And here's the truth. We know that sin came in and messed that all up. And we don't walk with God anymore in that same way. And I think... The sad thing is we so often reduce our lives down to just going to God for forgiveness. We just kind of get into the sin management cycle. I got tempted, I messed up, failed, sinned. I go to God for forgiveness all over again. I go to God, he's the genie in the bottle. I gotta say enough prayers and, because I want him to answer this thing in my life. And we reduce our relationship down to something so much less than what God wants for us. Let me tell you, Jesus came not just so you could be forgiven, but to restore your relationship with God so that you could get back to the very beginning and walk with him even like Adam walked with him. That is the goal. That is what Jesus came to do. It's so much greater than just what we can get out of God, we, how we can be forgiven. It's, it's for you and me to have the ability of a, to walk with God, to have a restored relationship with him. That's what he wants for us. It starts with living with an awareness of the presence of God in our lives. And so I don't know what you're gonna face in 2024. I don't know what this new year holds for you. Some good things probably some bad things, probably some unintended consequences, but also some unexpected benefits. I don't know what this new year has for you, but what if you could choose just one of these things? How would it impact your year? I don't know if all four of these were for you, but, but were for you, but what, one of, what are these one things do you need to choose and embrace in this new year to upgrade your life? Rhythms over resolutions, faith over fear, worship over worry, and presence over perfection. Can we just take a moment to pray into this? More than anything else, we need God's help with this. I don't know what you need for this new year. I don't know what you're hoping for, dreaming for. I don't know what goals you set, but here's what I know. What we need more than anything else is a fresh touch of the presence of God in our lives. If we get closer to him, everything's gonna get better. It doesn't mean all your problems are gonna go away, but if you have more of a sense of the presence of God in your life, then you're gonna have everything you need to get through this new year. The good times, the bad times. If we can come out of this year and we love him better and we know him more, then your life is gonna be more full of the things that God wants for you. How many of you want that? Come on, would you just pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year. God, we thank you for new 
possibilities. God, we thank you for a fresh start. We let go of the old and we embrace the new. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who said, behold, I make all things new. And we want everything that you have for us, new and abundant life. And so Lord, today, help us. Help us to choose the rhythms that you have for us over our own goals and resolutions that don't really work. God, help us to choose faith over fear, to know that you aren't the God of unintended consequences, but you're the God of unexpected benefits. God, to choose worship over worry, that God, we would focus on you and you would get bigger and greater and our problems would get smaller. And God, to choose your presence over perfection because we are gonna fail. We are gonna come up short, but God, we thank you for your mercies that are made new to us every day. And we say, God, sign us up for our daily grace, one day at a time, by your grace, to live with an awareness of your presence. And Father, we thank you that as we live this way, we will experience your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and the abundant life that you had for us. And so we believe you to do it. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.